I've been a little frustrated to see how easily, especially before tests were ready available, that certain celebrities could get it or athletes yeah. could get it or people with access. I was like, that is such bullshit. I mean, yeah. we're having bus drivers driving around empty buses with no masks on. Welcome to Quarantine Dailies, an experimental podcast that each day explores these unprecedented times through the voice and perspective of a different one of us around the world. I'm Jada Picard, and like many of us, I'm stuck at home. As more and more of us get quarantined, our daily lives, jobs, relationships have been affected in ways that were simply unpredictable. Our goal with Quarantine Dailies is to bring you a different personal story every day, from how their life was before this all began, how it is now with quarantining and social distancing, and what they are striving to do or shape up for the future. Yes, a lot of it is bad and scary. But through these conversations, it's clear there is space for opportunity and optimism, even if in small, everyday ways. Thanks so much, Julia, for taking some time to talk to me today. Of course, happy to be here. And uh, let's get right started. Could you quickly introduce yourself, what you do, and where in the world are you right now? Yes. Hi, I'm Julia Piquet. I'm 34 years old. I live in uh, Manhattan in New York City, and I'm an entertainment lawyer for a tech company here. Awesome. And since you're in New York City, what's what's very in a couple of sentences, what's your view on what's going on right now <laughs> in, in New York? Yeah. Well, right now we're kind of seen as the epicenter of the COVID-19 outbreak in the mm-hmm. United States. And I think that was almost bound to happen in a way in New York, given how much international travel we have in and out mm-hmm. and how densely populated we are and our overall population yeah. size. Yeah. So we've been, they haven't used the term sheltering in place, but we've, I've essentially been sheltering in place for over four weeks. And it's been pretty remarkable to see New York City shut down and, and all the streets empty. So it's, it's very, very different. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it just, it just sounds, sounds crazy. And, and, and we were talking a bit before we started recording, like, I mean, you're, you're, you guys have small flats, small spaces, you know, so you're kind of all yeah. pigeon pigeonholed inside yeah so we'll get to that in, in just a second but before all this craziness started getting back to 2020 could could you tell to the beginning of 2020 could you tell us a little bit wh- what is it that you really like about about what you do on a <laughs> when things are calm and quiet yeah well let's see i moved to new york in february 2019 so i've been mm-hmm. here just over a year absolutely enchanted with new york what i know what i really like about it outside of this is i think it has a very similar high paced, fast energy like Mm -hmm. me. So, you know, before all this, I'm a big extrovert. I'm probably out in somewhere at a restaurant, a museum, a bar, someplace, some event, a house party, like (laughs) six or seven days a week. So yeah, I, I really appreciate the density of the city, how much there is to offer. There's always something to do. It's Mm -hmm. really easy to get around. Like riding a city bike or walking around, taking the subway. It's an extremely dynamic city and it's a very awesome place to be a single professional female. Like I love that I feel safe coming home at mm. two in the morning or um, getting up really early and reading a book at a bar of a restaurant, you know, having a coffee there. So it's normally this fantastic city that you can really explore outside of the walls of your small apartment <laughs> yes yes a bit fits a bit I, I lived in london for 10 years and we were discussing this before as well and 
and saying like the, the city is your living room, right? So it doesn't matter if you have a small yes. room because, you know, everything else is your house, really. So, right. Yeah. And what are your major plans for the year as, as you know, as 2019 finished and 2020 yeah. started? Well, I was just starting to plan a trip to Italy for Easter with a friend <laughs> of mine, which did not materialize. At first we yes. were like, oh, this thing, this coronavirus will definitely go away. But I'd also planned a trip for Paris that I guess I would be mm -hmm. there in a couple weeks. And I was hoping to take a, well, had started planning a trip with my mom to go to Hawaii where she's from mm -hmm. and all of her relatives are from in June. And we actually wanted to go and record all of their stories of some of my relatives who've lived in Maui and are 80, 85 years old. And mm -hmm. even if restrictions are lifted you know, in the next couple months, I don't think I'll feel comfortable visiting older relatives who've done a good job of isolating. So I think I'll be in New York for the, for the, near, <laughs> for the next several months, for sure. Yeah. And so, so when did you first start feeling like COVID-19 was impacting your personal life? So maybe you heard about it somewhere in the news and everything, but when did you actually start feeling a difference in your day-to-day -day life? Yeah. You know, I think everything kind of changed pretty drastically from it just seeming like a remote incident happening in China. I remember I had a late Chinese New Year party this year. I'm a quarter Chinese, so I was celebrating with some friends at my apartment mm -hmm. on February 1st to make dumplings and, you know, maybe had 10 people over and mm -hmm. we were talking a lot about coronavirus since, you know, it was happening in China. And it just, at, at no point did we possibly ever consider the fact that it would come here. I mean, my friend was talking to us about similarities with the Spanish flu and we were making jokes that looking back were so inappropriate, but at the time we had no idea of what this would evolve into. Yes. And it was like, yes. you know, I remember my sister had had a similar Chinese New Year party, you know, a week or two prior and had to have mm. banned COVID talk because she was like, come on, we don't need to talk about that. It's not relevant. And I, and I write in a diary every day and I've looking back now, it's just shocking to see like, my reflections as this unfolded day by day, like mm. talking about people wearing more masks. But, you know, my friends and I were still going to restaurants and mm -hmm. meeting up in parks and even going out dancing, you know, in bars a couple weeks before shelter in place happened. Mm -hmm. And I remember about a month ago, I just stopped feeling comfortable before the restrictions started. And then I woke up one Sunday, uh, I guess the Sunday that the bars ended up closing and I hadn't been to bars or restaurants for a couple days, which for me, that's unusual because that's usually how I feed <laughs> yeah. myself is just at restaurants and everything changed. Like my friends were, that was the day that it, it really just felt like there was this tangible effect as the city shut down. And we all started realizing that that something was happening and it wasn't just happening overseas, but that COVID had really exploded in the city and we hadn't really noticed it. And there hadn't been that many updates from the government at that time, from local government. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's 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 here. It felt for me personally. I have family in Portugal, and it's I had like an advance warning of people coming over there. And over yeah. here in Austin, we had South by Southwest getting canceled, which was a huge right. deal early on. Right. So that's probably where we felt. But other than that, it was kind of crazy how there was nothing, nothing happening. No, like governments weren't really saying anything over here. That felt right. that felt weird. Like it was just like radio silence, or just downright saying nothing was happening. And then suddenly it's like, wait a minute, but all my life is completely changed. And uh, yeah, it's crazy. So did you, um, did where you work, did it, did it stop? Did they start doing like remote work earlier than that? Or was it around the same time? Yeah. The same time? 
let's see, I should open my journal because I, know <laughs> I have this all documented. Let's fuck There was a week, I know, that, um, that, that they, that they said we didn't need to come in or work from home mm. was voluntary starting mm. on a Monday. And my work gives us breakfast and lunch and I don't cook. So <laughs> um, naturally I was going in Monday and Tuesday. And again, this was before governments had really said something. And I think my company was really at the forefront. So some of my coworkers elected to stay home, but I was like, I still want to see my friends. You know, I live alone. I like going into work and seeing people and, you know, meeting face to face with my, my internal clients. So Monday and Tuesday were work from home voluntary. I think that Tuesday night they said work from home was recommended. Mm. And then at that point, you know, some of my coworkers had started being like, hey, you should be buying masks. You should be buying hand sanitizer. One of them had bought two liters of hand sanitizer that mm. they kept in the office for the week or two prior just for her office mates to use. Mm. And she lived in the Upper West Side. So when work from home came to be recommended. I, I live a 12 minute walk from the office. So I was like, Hey, can I go in and are you going to be going in? Do you need that hand sanitizer? Cause if that's going to be there, can I pick it up? So I went in and like collected all my paperwork and on that Wednesday morning and picked up her two liters of hand sanitizer in exchange for mm -hmm. taking care of her office plants and walked it all home. And then I think for that day, for the rest of that week, people still trickled in because it was recommended, but it wasn't still mandatory so mm -hmm. people were still coming in i remember still getting my free coffee from the baristas mm -hmm. and it was really eerie like you know why are the baristas working if we're not working everyone should be going home and i think you know my company moves very quickly and i think they were really good at shutting it shutting down operations very expediently and you know trying to communicate with us as quickly as possible but it it happened fast and I think one thing that's at least beneficial is working at a, a tech company, so much of our operations already were done virtually. You know, when I'm working with our California office or our Los Angeles office, we're always on video conference anyway. Yeah. And in fact, a lot of us tended to work from home on Fridays anyway. Mm. So working from home used to be a bit of a privilege to be like, I'm going to work from home on <laughs> Friday. I can do a noon workout class and you know, maybe take myself out to lunch and, and now it's, you know, every day. So careful what you wish for, I guess. <laughs> 100%. What is that you're the most anxious about right now? Yeah, I think for me, I'm really anxious about the inequality of COVID's impact and, mm -hmm. you know, being one of the Americans who can still work remotely effectively and who has the benefit of being a full-time employee with health insurance and a really supportive company culture. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me not to feel like I'm kind of sitting here in a, in a little castle and watching mm -hmm. so many other of the city's inhabitants suffer, especially just walking around the West Village where I live. Almost every restaurant is shut down. Ones that are open are doing very limited deliveries, no pickups and things like that. And you know, then I can come back to my apartment and, you know, cook the awesome Romans do that everyone's talking about or have a nice bottle of wine and, mm. you know, Zoom with my friends or work on colored pencils or oil pastels or something. Like, it seems so different than what everyone, is, than what a lot of New York is experiencing, especially, you know, Governor Cuomo in his daily press releases has talked a lot about the disparate impact of 
people of color and, and lower socioeconomic levels. And I'm just really struggling with how to, how to meaningfully help my community when I can't leave mm -hmm. the house. And, yeah. and, and also like what are the right ethics and morals here? You know, like I used to volunteer for a food bank when I was living in San Francisco prior to this and I've helped out in ones here, but I keep being like, should I be doing things like that? Or should I be staying home and stopping the spread? And yeah, the thing I'm most anxious about is really the disparity and understanding that like my experience in my apartment is just so different than the way other people are experiencing this quarantine and feeling a lot of discomfort around that asymmetry. Yeah. Yes, I think one of the one of the things that has just become apparent over the last couple of weeks is that those of us that have the privilege of being able to even enjoy being at home and and take it as a time to reflect or a time to work on skills or whatever it is. Yeah. That's that's a, that's actually a massive privilege in and on its own right. And it's it's just very and and you're right, like just just having that just becoming so so apparent and more and more apparent day to day is uh, is crazy. And I was talking to a bunch of different different people and how it's it really illustrates how entrenched some of our um some of our, what disparities between our social circles are in the sense that so many of us even yeah. only know a limited number of people that are really struggling because because that's how that's how entrenched some of these social divides are and this is a time Absolutely. that is really just bringing it all up and just making it so so clear like with data you can literally see it which is uh, just yeah. in terms of spread of virus which is which is incredible Totally. And I think I think the way that we're experiencing it as Americans is also unique because hmm. we're operating with a federal government that hasn't always displayed competence, to put it lightly, <laughs> and, you know, who hasn't wanted to invest in health and universal health care and hmm. robust social welfare programs. And now they're trying to build it in the middle of an emergency. And, you know, now they want to think about how to handle homeless populations and California and things like that, that largely were problems that were ongoing for a long time. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's frustrating to see our government who really didn't serve the needs of the full population of America yeah. try to now yeah. try to now play catch up in very ineffective ways. And I have yeah. been very grateful. Yeah. I think our, you know, this, our, state governor has has been doing a really good job and he's been very upfront about the disparate impact on certain communities and how to address them and how to look at these once we have time but yeah it's it does feel like there are a lot of different battles being waged about this and even friends i have who are are doctors and working on the many manhattan medical facilities are having such different experiences mm. than than mm. i am you know where my biggest problems are like being bored and and missing seeing friends in 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 real life i mean they're real problems but they're just very different than the ones that my fellow city inhabitants are experiencing yes yes entirely and just coming back into like some of these impacts it 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 was uh, so we had a scare in our family where we thought someone could have had uh covid19 relatively early on and so we we went to the hospital here in texas and uh, long story short it took seven days for the results to get back and it came back negative and the air the false negative rate is so high on this test that you need to get two so in total it took oh. 14 days 
to get the, the full results back. And, and it was just kind of crazy because you, even then the, the numbers were already very high and people were already saying, how is it possible that the U.S. can have such high numbers? And we were saying like, the numbers have to be so much higher and everybody's going blind because if it takes seven days for the results to come back, right? Yeah. That's just a weird impact of this not having a reasonable access to healthcare because it, it really is a massive issue for the whole society at large because you don't even know what's going on. Because Yeah. And this was just a few and days after, after tests became free, because even before that, I was sick for a while and I didn't want to get myself tested because I was just didn't know how much that was going to cost me. So imagine the amount of people that went through that. So it's a weird societal issue. It, it's kind of like this trickle up issue where by not having some form of a common healthcare provision that, that is relatively reasonable, it has some trickle up effects that affect the whole society. Absolutely. And I've been a little frustrated to see how easily, especially before tests were readily available, that like certain celebrities could get it or athletes yeah. could get it or people with access. I was like, that is such bullshit. I mean, yeah. we're having bus drivers driving around empty buses with no masks on. I think that's been remedied since then, but that's what we were seeing in the beginning. And yet, you know, Instagram influencers have no problems getting a test because they're friends with a doctor. Like, that's such bullshit. So mm. I think that, you know, when I'm, really trying to look at this and think about like how I want to come out on the other side of this. I really hope that America is going to not take certain things for granted anymore. You know, like I hope we're going to think a lot more about appreciate the roles of public school teachers and all mm. teachers and paying them, you know, uh, appropriate salaries. And I think we're going to think a lot differently about the benefits of universal health care and robust social mm. welfare programs. And about competent government and about a government that can lead effectively and give a, a good roadmap for where things are going and communicate effectively in a way that yeah. doesn't promote panic. And really hope that that's where we can come out of this as a nation because it's, it's really shaking some foundations. I think that we're already quite weak, but you know, from my relative place of privilege, I never really had to, to question them. Yeah. Yes. I think this is like since since 2008, I think our generation has had quite a few different things happen. Like for me, Brexit was a huge thing that actually has ma is making us much more come, come from a place of just being bored about politics and so on to just being very active and be like, this is this is important stuff because so much right. is changing around me. And, and that's just an interesting thing, too. Has the current situation made you realize that you were taking something for granted? That's a good question. I mean, I'm generally a pretty grateful person. So mm -hmm. I, 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 it's not, I, I was very grateful for, for what I had before this. Mm -hmm. I think I was maybe taking for granted, like the health of, you know, my friends and family. Mm -hmm. I have parents who are in their early seventies. I have a brother with pretty significant special needs and mm -hmm. they're all out in California and I've never really had to worry about them the way that I do now. You know, my parents go hiking every day. My brother's mm. in a, a, a really great care program. And I worry a lot more about, about them. And, and uh, yeah, like just worrying about health is never something I'm fortunate. I've never really had to do. And I still, you know, knock on wood, I'm not as worried about my health. Not that I'm, I'm, I'm still taking all mm. necessary precautions but I'm not worried for myself as much as I am for my parents and my brother. Yeah. 
Is there maybe something you're enjoying more now? <laughs> well, I remember like a lot of the things I used to enjoy this city seem so trivial now, but I remember, you know, having a good day at work and treating mm -hmm. myself to this bougie perfume that you can label. <laughs> and I labeled it. I was like, I need to be more self-reliant because I'm always out and about and I never do things alone. And I, I had the perfume bottle and like labeled with self-reliance and it's funny I've as someone who is not used to spending a lot of time indoors or mm -hmm. alone I'm really building a lot of resilience in in finding enjoyment in my own solitude and don't get me wrong I have like mm. lots of zoom events um, Google Hangouts <laughs> events all the time, but yeah, yeah. for the first time ever, I always joke that I have no indoor kid skills. So I bought mm. colored pencils and I bought oil pastels and I bought an embroidery kit and I don't watch that much TV. So I'm really, you know, working on, on those types of skills. And, and even, you know, what's interesting is even I've been an av avid reader my whole life, but I would mm -hmm. in New York, I rarely read at home. I'd read at a park or in a hotel lobby. And yeah. Just learning to like sit in my on my couch and sit still is stuff I'm learning and enjoying. Like I'm actually enjoying trying to write like the, sh the crappiest drawings ever, but I'm now like <laughs> drawing things out my window and then I have stamps and I'm sending sending them to friends and using that's like, awesome. Regular, yeah, regular mail to send things out. So that's yeah. been nice and I think makes me feel a bit more grounded. And I'm learning to cook. So my first six months in New York, I. I truly never use my oven. Um, I have a mini fridge. I don't have a dishwasher. I don't have a washer dryer. I don't have a microwave. This has been a real experience. So I'm I'm actually learning how to how to cook quite well. And oh, nice. Yeah. Any, any favorite dish? Let's see. A lot of pasta, I guess. <laughs> I've been making myself sometimes just cheese plates for dinner because I love cheese. Yes, cheese is a big world. tonight. With all my, I have different leftovers. I actually have leftover dumpling wrappers from when I had my my Chinese New Year dumpling party that's oh, yeah. been in my freezer, taking up precious space. So I think I'm going to use some of my leftovers to try to make, with all my Italian food ingredients, yeah. make like Italian style dumplings using like ground sausage and spinach and garlic. We'll see how that goes. That <laughs> uh, sounds exciting. And, and you mentioned uh, hotel lobbies. That's been a thing my family does for a long time, which is just go into low hotel, like really fancy hotel lobbies and just chill there and read there. I love doing that. Yeah. Uh, is there any, any book that maybe not at home or, or maybe a movie or a show that you're enjoying now? <laughs> well, my favorite book last year was this book called Severance by Ling Ma, which is about a global pandemic that starts in China and <laughs> spreads around the world. It was the, it was, it's such a beautiful book. I loved every minute of it and I recommended it to everyone. And now I'm like, don't read it. It's too close to home. So <laughs> oh my God. some people can still read it. It's beautiful, but yes. I mean, it's a little too close to home. Let's see. I just read, I had a, a book club last night, which was mm. originally when we planned it five, six weeks ago, it was supposed to take place at my apartment, but it was digital last night for the book, Women, Women Talking. That was fantastic. Okay. Uh, yeah. I also joined an online class taught by my friend's old high school teacher, who just taught us the great Gatsby. So I reread that, which is fantastic. Yeah. So it's good to read those old classics. And I it think is. great Gatsby is interesting because it talks a lot about New York in a time of excess right before the depression. So this is, uh, it's interesting yes. to read now. Yeah. Maybe some, some eerie parallels as well there. 
Who knows? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is there any thought or concept or maybe a fact that you've been really pondering about recently? I mean, I think what what really occupies my mind a lot that I kind of stew and obsess over is figuring out the ethics of this all, mm -hmm. how to help, mm -hmm. and and also like what sort of social contact is appropriate. Like, mm -hmm. as someone who lives mm -hmm. alone for in three hundred and fifty square feet. I know that we should stay home and I and I take that to heart, but I do think it's different for my friends who are in the suburbs and four bedroom mm. houses who have dogs and husbands and babies to interact with. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm trying to figure out ways that I can make sure I get some contact that's appropriate and mm. safe, even if it's just, you know, I've biked to Central Park and sat apart from, you know, six feet apart from my friends on separate blankets and talk to them or you know read books mm -hmm. together and sometimes after I do things like that I feel guilty and you know I'm looking forward to the time I you know I have some friends that feel comfortable they have like other isolated friends they'll maybe have wine in their back patio or something mm -hmm. or maybe they'll just cook dinner with the one other friend that also lives alone and I'm trying to figure out that that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out is taking the rules that are being applied in New York and federally and figuring out what what makes sense for me, but what also is like a responsible choice. And have you drawn any conclusions on that? No, I mean, I, I'm comfortable like going outside. I, I do this thing. I, I, I'm trying, I don't have outdoor space. <laughs> so I will go for walks or bike rides. Yeah. And like I went to the post office yesterday to pick up packages. I haven't received mail. I only receive mail about once a week now. And I'll call a friend who I know has like a window front apartment mm -hmm. and she'll just open the window on the fourth floor and like stick her head out and wave. And I'll try to do that to a lot of friends. Or now the West Village is so empty, like one way streets, all the dog parks are closed. So mm -hmm. my friends, will, a dog will use my one way street as a dog run. And mm -hmm. there's maybe in a half hour, three cars come. So we'll stand, you know, six feet apart and I'll watch them throw the ball for their dog. Mm -hmm. Just stuff like that. Or, you know, a lot of people are using the Hudson River Park to walk or run. And I'll try to sit out there on a blanket and read a book just so I can still see human beings. Mm. Because I think, you know, history or psychologists will show how difficult this can be on people. But for people who are really isolated or live alone or for New Yorkers, for us living in tiny apartments, it's, it's certainly different than, you know, when I talk to my parents in California who have a you know, a couple bedroom home and access to a lot of hiking trails that it's just really interesting to see how this is affecting everyone differently and mm. how I'm sure that's what your podcast is covering, but <laughs> I spend a lot of time trying to figure out what's responsible, but what also works for me. Yes, exactly. And I think that's, I think definitely at this stage, it feels like there's been a like very, very strong reaction because it was definitely necessary. But then ultimately, it's we have to find that balance and in, in whatever way, whatever way can come, because otherwise that little room becomes a cell, right? And it's yeah. Then we're back into like a 1984 kind of scenario or something like that, or like we're all right, and right. Then, and I don't think like I have some friends who truly haven't left their actual apartments, mm -hmm. you know, in New York for three weeks. But I can't imagine not feeling the sun on you or even just air. <laughs> yes. um, so. Yeah, and until the laws change, I'll certainly be going for walks and bike rides. But when yeah. the laws started coming out in New York, my friends and I, like as an attorney, like we would actually read the the law. Like rather than just read the headline, we'd go and read the code to see like, okay, what's appropriate and what can we do? And 
it says this, but not this, because you don't always get that from the headlines. Of course, of um, course. Yeah, like today's headline, I think there was one saying like New York was going to require everyone to wear face masks. And I was like, oh, crap, I didn't wear one when I was like part on parts of my bike ride, you know, on mm. over Brooklyn Bridge. I didn't wear a mask. But then when you read the article, it actually was like saying, oh, if there are places where you can't socially distance, like on an exercise. Ah, so okay, yeah, you're going to yeah. go to Central Park and you're going to spread out your towel and you're 10 feet from the next person. Yes, you can then take your mask off to read your yeah. book. It's relatively so, sensible. Yeah. Yeah, 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 makes sense. Because uh, in Europe, like I've got friends who cannot leave more than ten meters away from the front, their front door, for example. That's so that's a, it's a different, yeah. Uh, yeah, different different levels of stuff. And, uh, and it's, go yeah, for it. it's been interesting to see that, like, right, take be different in Italy to here, and that was mm. definitely my fear. And I think psychologically, that would be a lot more difficult to grasp. I really would be fully alone. <laughs> I mean, I have yeah. My apartment doesn't look out over the street, so I wouldn't have seen anyone I know for a really long time. That would have been yes. awesome. Yeah, it's completely crazy. And uh, finally, what do you see as the biggest opportunities for for yourself or in generally through this and after all this is done? Yeah. Well, I want to come out of here with some self-reliance, some new, some new indoor kid skills, a lot of new perspective, and I think a lot of renewed interest to participate in the community like I I was more involved in I was on a board of a nonprofit and did more volunteer work in California and New York for me that that wasn't as accessible or that prioritized mm -hmm. in here and I, I really want to help grow New York again after this in, in meaningful ways and yeah hope, hopefully I come out of here employed healthy and you know, maybe with some new skills, yes, <laughs> some embroidered napkins. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds lovely. You could, you'll be able to just do your own, you know, book club and dinners at your flat again with I can't napkins wait. embroidered by yourself. You know, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> Little name tags painted by yourself and and a meal that yeah. you made. May it come soon. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Well, is there anything else you 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 want to say before we we uh, part ways? No, I, I think I've, I've said it all. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much, Julie. Have a good one. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for listening to Quarantine Dailies, a project by J24D. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can show us your love in two ways. Number one, leave us a comment and five stars on Apple Podcasts or any other place you use to listen. Number two, do you know someone else who should be interviewed? Drop us a line at podcast at j24d.com with their name, their city, and contact details, and we'll be in touch. Now wash your hands, keep your social distancing, and stay safe, friends. Talk tomorrow.